Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for October 2nd, 2023, and I am delighted to have this time with you. It's a new week. Um, it's October, everybody. Happy October to you. I hope that everybody had a wonderful first full weekend of fall, and uh, I will say it's a little warm I think, uh, unseasonably warm for Virginia, but as I saw uh, coming up in a few days here, the highs will only be in the 60s, so we'll be back down to where we ought to be, um, and I'm excited about that. But anyway, it is so good to be with you all, and I thank you for coming, and maybe this is, I don't know, 500 times you've been with us. I think this is Daily Devotional 509 or 510. Uh, I don't know, um, but maybe this is your first time. If it is your first time, I welcome you, and I'm glad that you are a part of this time with us, because what we're doing is very, very simple. We're just going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through God's Word, and in particular, right now, we are going through the book of Acts. Yes, Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Early Church. We've seen some incredible things. Most recently, we have seen a major, major shift in philosophy, in ideas idea when it comes to who's invited to the table um, in terms of who can be a Christian, right? There was a debate. Do you have to be a Jew first, or can you be a Gentile and become a Christian? And we've gone through all of that stuff. It's not over, okay? That debate is is not over yet in the book of Acts. It should be, but it's not. Um, but nevertheless, where we left things is that more and more Gentiles are coming in, and also where we left things is that God's Word cannot be stopped. If you recall, chapter 12, I referred to it, and I didn't mean to do so in a derogatory sense because it's not at all, but I referred to chapter 12 as story time, right? Where we see the story of how God's Word cannot be stopped, how Peter, after James, the brother of John, had been arrested and put to the sword is the terminology given. But after James, the brother of John, was arrested and martyred for the faith, Herod decided to go get Peter. It was a popular thing. And so Herod, being the consummate politician, said, well, the people like this. I'm going to go get Peter. And then they're really going to like it, right? Well, we saw the harrowing, amazing tale of Peter being arrested in chapter 12. You remember all the details, right? Two guards, two chains, and outside of him was a detachment of guards, right? Round the clock guarding. Angel of the Lord shows up. Those things don't matter to the Lord. He cut through all of those things. Peter walked right out. We see this little comical thing happen where he shows up at the house of John, right? Um, or excuse me, the house of Mary, and 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 everybody's, you know, there praying in earnest for him. And he shows up and Rhoda goes to the door and she's so amazed, she runs back and doesn't let him in. And they tell her she's crazy. She's lost her mind, right? And we talked a little bit about praying expectantly together too. But where things ended in chapter 12 and where we pick up was with a warning. A warning that is shown in what happens to Herod. Uh, you remember the whole business about Herod going and meeting in Caesarea, and when he spoke, the people said, this is the voice of a god. And then Herod didn't correct them. He accepted that praise, and as a result, immediately he was struck. Acts 12, 23, immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. 
But the word of God continued to increase and spread. Then we find out about Barnabas and Saul finishing their mission, returning from Jerusalem, taking with them also Mark called, or John called Mark. Now that's where we pick up that warning, that warning for the enemies of the gospel. We see something else today, a little bit different. But what we find is fascinating. It, to a certain extent, it's still story time. Something fundamental is laid down at the beginning, and, and we're going to read that at the beginning of 13. But really and truly, we're going to see how the gospel advances, and we're going to see the Lord deal with the enemies of the gospel. Um, if you were at church with us on, on Sunday, well, that's today. I'm recording a day in advance. But if you were here yesterday, by the time you see this, you know, one of the points that I made from Philippians chapter 1 is that God knows. God knows the enemies of the church. He, see the, he sees those who, who stir strife and discord, those who would take away from the gospel. He sees and he knows. And we see that today with a very interesting turn of events. Let's pray and then we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time that you have given to us, and I pray that you would bless us in it. Give us understanding. Give us knowledge. Um, guide us by your Holy Spirit so that we would see the beauty of how your word goes forward, but also so that we would catch the warning for those who would be enemies of your word. Thank you for working in our midst. Thank you for being active in our world today. Thank you for knowing and seeing. Thank you for being the perfect, just, and holy God who loves us, not based on us, but based on Christ. Help us to keep these things at the forefront of our thought, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, and we know Barnabas, right? <clears throat> then we learned some new people. Simeon, called Niger. Lucius of Cyrene. Manaed, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And Saul. As a side note, excuse me, what does this mean about Manaed that had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch? We don't exactly know, but just taking it at face value, this is someone who has come from nobility, right? This is somebody that is that would be a person of standing, and we know that this person of standing has converted to Christianity, okay? They are all there together, Saul included. And then verse 2, we get this little detail. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. My friends, what we have here, and it's a curious little thing, and it's like, well, why is this even in there? I think what we get here is the concept of commissioning, but also the com the concept of ordination, okay? Um, what we have here, if you look at the details, is the people of God gathered together as the church. This is not the only people that are there, okay? It's just talking about the church at Antioch, and it's naming some of the specific people that were there. There were prophets, and there were teachers, and in the midst of the worship, it became clear. In this instance, it became clear because it was the audible voice of the Lord, but it became clear that Barnabas and Saul had been called for particular work. and so. 
with worship and fasting, they are ordained, they are commissioned, they are sent out by the church to do the work of the Lord. Now, at this point, we just get a smidge. We just get a very small glimpse at this, okay? But what we see here is the building blocks of ministry, and in particular, those who are called to ministry. You know, the, the ARP Church, which is Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, exists for a couple of main reasons. Um, recognize we are Presbyterian. We are not part of the PCUSA. We're not part of the PCA. We're not part of any other Presbyterian denomination, nor did we break off from any American denomination. We came from Scotland, and we broke off from the Church of Scotland for two main reasons. One of those reasons was over the free offer of the gospel. There was this big controversy right in the 1700s, and it was over a theological idea, and, and I don't want to get too complicated, but it was called the marrow controversy. In other words, the marrow, the center of Christianity was the controversy. There were those that believed that you should not offer the gospel to anyone that does not exhibit signs of repentance. But a group of men called the Marrow Men, a couple of which were the Erskine brothers, and then we have some others join the scene, right? They said, no, 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 no. We offer the gospel freely. We are The church is to, to give the free offer of the gospel, and then the Lord works through the gospel to cut to the heart and lead to repentance and so forth. Um, that's where we came from, over the free offer of the gospel. Our roots are in that principle. But there's another issue that we come out of as a denomination, and that in particular has a lot to do with what we've read in Acts chapter 13. Y'all, there was an issue going on in Scotland hundreds of years ago when we first got our start called patronage. And the idea basically comes down to that the wealthy landowners were the ones that got to pick who was going to be the pastor. They got to pick who would be ordained. And what the Erskine brothers and others said was, no, that, that's not how we work. Acts chapter 13, the Lord calls. Men recognize that call and then are ordained. So you have an internal sense of calling where you feel called to the ministry as a minister, as a missionary or whatever. You have that internal sense of calling, but then you also have an external sense of calling from the church. It is the church that sends out. It is the church, the, the elders of the church that ordain, right? That's what we've just seen in Acts chapter 13. That's the building blocks of who we are as a denomination. That's why to be ordained in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, like I am, you not only have to do all sorts of educational requirements and be examined and, and all of that sort of stuff. In addition, you have to have a call from somebody, for, from some group of Christians, right? You can't be ordained without that external calling. What we see in Acts chapter 13 is internal and external calling on display. And you see that Saul and Barnabas are set apart, that by the church, they are recognized to have a specific, special calling. And as a result, they are set apart and they are sent out by the church to do the work of the Lord. Y'all, that's what ministry is. You know, realize I, I am Reverend Patrick Malfris, okay? My calling is a special calling to preach and teach the Word of God, but I am ordained by the church to do so through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Y'all, like I said before, Acts acts sort of like the genesis of the New Testament because we see the basic building blocks of so much. That's all we see right here in verses 1 through 3 of Acts chapter 13. It's simply the fact that God calls some to serve him in special ways, others to serve him in other ways. But in this definite vocational sense, he called Saul and Barnabas to be the ones to go out, and the church ordained and set them apart and sent them to do the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, to you and me, that might be a, okay, so what? But y'all, you always need the basis of something. You you have to ask why the church does what it does, right? What What's the basis of why we do what we do? This is it right here. This is the fundamental building blocks of the church on display. But it's also evidence that there are some men who are set apart. This is a glimpse. Later on in the epistles, we get much more firm language about what it means to be a pastor, an elder, a deacon, that sort of thing. But here is the first glimpse that there are men who are set apart for vocational gospel ministry. It is what they do. It is their trade. As it relates to me personally, the gospel of Jesus Christ, my trade my calling, my existence is to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, ordained, commissioned, and sent by the church to do so. The building block is right here in Acts 13 for that. Now, that being said, let's move on because we come to story time next. We come to what actually happens when they are sent out. I recognize that we're 14 minutes in. But preview of coming attractions, because this is where we are going to pick up when we uh, when we come back together again tomorrow. It simply says the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. You know, this is the, the background for what is about to happen. But what we see here though interesting and full of interesting characters, what we see is fundamental to our understanding of how the gospel goes out. Where you see, right at the beginning, I read something quickly. I'm not trying to skip over it. But don't miss the fact that verse 4, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia. Right? What you have is, according to God's word, this joining together of the church ordaining and sending out men for the gospel ministry, and the Holy Spirit being a part of that work. It assumes an understanding and an agreement between the church and the Holy Spirit, not that the Holy Spirit signs off on what the church does, but that the church submits to the Holy Spirit's calling. And when the church does that, what we see is something incredible here. We see Barnabas, we see Saul going on their way, and before they're even rolling all the way, the Lord is preparing the way by the Holy Spirit. Y'all, what we're seeing here is yet again, the gospel cannot be stopped. It keeps on going, but we also see the calling. 
And that calling is for some to go and carry the gospel. That is definite. That is clear. But for those who don't go, we see the calling to support, to pray for, to send, to make possible the work of the Holy Spirit that the, that the calling has been issued for. Our challenge as the church today is to recognize what part we're involved in. Because you see, that's how this thing works, Christianity, right? You are either the one who goes or you are, are a part or should be a part of those who send and support the ones who go. This is just a taste, y'all. It's just a glimpse at how the Lord set his church up to work. So your devotional thought for today, there's more to it. I wish we could, we could dig in and get to the story time here in chapter 13, but we just don't have enough time today. Your devotional thought for today instead is to examine your church, right? Examine why your church does what your church does. Examine your role in either being the one that the Lord sends or supporting the ones that the Lord sends. Examine this paradigm that's presented here in your life about the Holy Spirit. Are you submitting to the Holy Spirit's calling? Are you a part of the work of the kingdom? If not, there is a calling for you, perhaps not to go, but definitely to be a part. With those things in mind, we should have grateful hearts, right? We should be grateful that the Lord works, that the Lord is still sending, that people are still going, that the gospel is still going forth and cannot be stopped, even by weird-sounding Jewish sorcerers. That's what we're going to get to tomorrow. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and I thank you for everybody here. Help us to see the building blocks of the church and with gratitude to, to examine our own churches in light of what we have read here. Let us also examine our own hearts to see if we're the ones to be sent or the ones that are to do the sending. Thank you that your work, the, the work of the gospel, never ends until Jesus returns. Thank you that your word is still going out. I pray this in all things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Until then, I hope everybody has a pleasant Monday or, well, whatever day it is that you happen to find this. I'm just delighted to have this time with you. Until we meet again, take care.